one of the all-time favorite shows. Hello and welcome to episode, tell me again, Grace. 76. 76. 76. <laughs> um, yeah, so welcome to episode 76 of Because You're Home. And um, this week we are looking at what a twist movies where, um, oh, heavy spoiler alert, I will say, where the victim is actually the villain. Um, before we get into it, though, we actually, we were, we were chatting away. We went to the cinema. We went to the CS film and it felt so nice we went to go see x which i highly recommend for people highly recommend and i was kind of thinking about this do you remember when we had said we went to see scream and we were like we're not going to say whether or not we liked it or didn't like it so take from the fact that we have said that we really like x <laughs> that. <laughs> and i was kind of like scream it's been a while so i think mm. we can now talk about it but scream we, we weren't as in love with the screen, you kind of know what you're coming in for. X, we purposely stayed away from it, like we no didn't know what was happening. I loved it, yeah. Um, and I'm going to say something that no one told me if you are going to go see it in the cinema, stay to the end of the credits. There's a wee teaser which we didn't know about, and we missed out on watching something potentially and have to wait for it to come online whenever that happens, yeah. And it's funny because I told my mom that I went to see it and she was like, was that the one where they coerce a young girl into porn? And I was like, it is, but it's not the way you've said it because they (laughs) don't coerce her. And actually, if anything, I think this sheds a very positive light on the porn industry. Yeah. Yeah, and I heard corn, not porn. I'm like, where's the corn? <laughs> what was the corn? And then I tried to explain it to my mom, like, and I had to be like, I haven't done these drugs, but you know the way when people turn around and they go, if you're ever going to do pills, do it with somebody you trust. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it was kind of like that. If you're ever going to do porn, do it with somebody do it with you porn trust. Actors, not with like your boyfriend who's like, hey, let me just turn this camera on. Yeah. Or what's that red blinking light? Yeah. So I was like, I felt like I was going into this weird spiral of trying to explain something to my mom while being like, but I also haven't done these things, but also this is the way. You know a bit about it. It was, it was all very funny, but yeah. Thank you for having that like real talk with your mom. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I was like, no, actually I think it's, it really, really was positive. If you were doing it as consenting adults and you were yeah. all in it, it was actually really quite a nice Because job. there's a lot of focus on the seedier side of mm-hmm. porn and how it's like, you know, if you're a good looking person, it's the only thing you can do. You have no skills that you know this, that and the other. It's the best thing you can do while you have the time. Whereas like the attitude of one of the actors in it was she was there saying, I've got a great body. I want to show it off. It's, you know, like God gave me this and it would be a sin not to. And I'm like, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. Because one of the guys, they have a great conversation. There's a scene we're talking about. Uh, we're not spoiling anything, but they have a good conversation about it. And I have to say, it really opened my eyes to yeah. people when it's something you don't mind doing. Now, I know that that might not be for everyone who's in the porn industry. Yeah, I think the dangerous side of it is trafficking. Yeah. You know? And that yeah. obviously happens. Um. 
and happens quite a lot so that is terribly dangerous and like really devastating and awful Mm -hmm. but when it is in a positive light and you are a consenting adult and this is actually something you want to do that like sex work is a legitimate job and a legitimate career that people would want to go into yeah yeah and um, they sure seem to be having fun yeah absolutely yeah I really liked it I love Britney Snow like Mm. I tell you, she's got a painting up in her attic, which is of a decrepit woman because that she looks like as if she did when like she was 20 years ago. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really great. And I'm looking forward to any more work from that guy. So it was Ty West. I had him mixed up with like um Robert Eggers, but Ty West did um a cult film called The Sacrament. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a Jim Jonesy film, and he doesn't do too much horror. But I tell you, he—it's almost good if someone's not always doing horror because they get different perspectives. I'm not saying that anyone gets bogged down in the one genre, but it's good to have like a, a repertoire of genres so you can kind of pick and choose what you do because yeah. it doesn't really hit horror to like the last third. And sometimes when that happens, you're like, oh god, you were just fucking waiting for something to happen. But this was, I was just yeah. really good. Like it yeah. was a really good film. Yeah. Um, and there's loads of lovely little, there's like little foreshadows everywhere that if you were to rewatch it, you could see it then clearer. But it's one of those, you know, you might say something that I didn't cop and I might say something that you didn't cop. But it is, I have to say, it's a good film. And I only wish we could have stayed to have a chat about it properly afterwards because I know we were yeah. just heading home but yeah no great film people and um, and obviously like wait till it comes out on streaming if you're not comfortable going to cinema but things are like we went on a Saturday night and there was only two other people in the cinema with us it was great no time. there was a few there was actually there was a few they came in a good bit late like a good bit after us we were there oh. a little bit early but two people did walk out yeah which I thought was quite funny um and I, the two of us were like <laughs> love yeah and can't handle everything there are some weird scenes yeah if you've seen the movie you can probably like pinpoint <laughs> if you're not a horror fan and you're a young couple who have gone to a movie together as one of your dates and you're like <laughs> I heard this is about porn and then you go to this and not the that. movie guys not the movie to be going with your your date um, it's a hard no for some people it's a hard <laughs> yeah it was very funny it was brilliant yeah really yeah. enjoyed it hey we're supposed to get back on topic um so there are like what we were saying that it's good with like directors having different being able to work through different genres and horror films I find as well for plots have a good ranging repertoire of what they can do in the films because this is one of the reasons why we love her and why we got into it is that it looks at so many different things and one of the things I find that horror and to a lesser extent even thrillers do are the twists and yes. um, like you can't think of M. Night Shyamalan without thinking of the film where he loves to add in a good twist or then of like pure horror movies like Saw that's just the ultimate and I think they did it so well in the first one. And then obviously with Amanda in the second Saw film that you just couldn't top their twist endings anymore. Yeah. It almost became a, you were expecting someone who was a part of the good team to be a bad person. It was just a matter of finding out who it was. 
yeah you you kind of start looking for it which is part of it as well so yeah yeah, but like you like there's a very simple formula (laughs) but like the thing with that is like the only thing like when I'm just talking about you know not everyone being the victim it's with the saw films not to bash on about them but for me the their only good ones are the first and the second one and and then after that it just takes an absolute dive into torture porn in my eyes and but it's just like it when you just the twist is the same thing every time it's not a surprise and you're hoping that at most the surprise will be who it was but even then it's just like a well one of you has to be it but you know you've got your obviously like with the screen films as well when -hmm. the fact that it's the person beside you your boyfriend your friends someone from college or whatever or (laughs) your boyfriend's mother you know these films it's it's hard does they seem to have the ability and to hold viewers and you know pull the rug out from underneath them with twists that they never saw coming more so than other genres of films because you don't get that I suppose you wouldn't have that really in a rom-com where well you might do I suppose where no no sorry no formula and even with comedies it's um they all have like like you said a simple formula but I think what horror movies because I think people underestimate them so much yeah they get the ability to weave into things more so than than anything else and that's just one of the things I've always loved about horror is the not just are you being scared but you're being shocked in a way of I wasn't expecting that like even with the X film that we watched I wasn't expecting it to go the way it went yeah neither was not I at all and I had a like with some of the kills they're more surprising because you weren't expecting everything to be thrown into it all I also didn't expect to like everyone yeah. I really liked everyone. Like, yeah, really yeah. Everyone. No douchey characters. No. Which is always, again, couldn't recommend it enough. Um, and also it's best if you don't know anything about it. Um, keeping it as, as real for yourself as you can, which what we did. And again, I felt that it was the best way. And um, so before we go into our films, I just want to, again, give a strong warning of like spoiler alert my two films are kind of old ones definitely ones from 82 and the others from 2003 however they're not really like they were films I had to go looking for so if it's on your list don't watch maybe go watch the film and then come back and take a listen to this I'm sure the same goes for Grace's films so Grace what is your first film my first film I'm like which one do I talk about first okay I'm gonna go for one which I think somebody is gonna be like what it's kind of a weird one to go with this because technically like all of them are potential victims oh if that makes sense yes I went with scream four so like the whole simple formula is that all of them throughout the film until the third act are potential victims but I thought Mm -hmm. with scream four it was more there was I just thought it was more I was like oh they've gone that way with it um when they did it I wasn't I wasn't expecting it to be who it was um, no no yeah so like well 
one of them possibly and I think they did that really well as well where they were kind of like we're going to give you the very obvious one but you're yeah. kind of going to go ew with the other one so Scream 4 came out in 2011 it was the last of Wes Craven's screams um, this kind of went back to what uh, Kevin Williamson had kind of wanted to do with Scream 3 but because of scheduling um, kind of conflicts him or Nev Campbell couldn't be in Scream 3 or be involved in Scream 3 and um, Kevin Williamson was kind of like okay like I can help in certain ways I can give a blueprint to Scream three but scream three can't be scream without sydney prescott so he very very uh graciously stepped down and he said go with um nev campbell and um i'll give you the screen print the the kind of green print Mm -hmm. what is that word Uh, is it blueprint 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 i'll give you the blueprint (laughs) for the movie and it was kind of along the lines of this it was going to a slightly different generation um but it was back in Woodsboro the second had been in, she was away in college uh but they obviously if you you know I imagine everybody listening to this has seen Scream 3 or knows about Scream 3 so it went a totally different direction mm-hmm. Scream 4 boy did it. it huh boy did it boy did it yes um, so Scream 4 comes back to his kind of original idea or his original blueprint for uh, for Scream 4. 2011, this one, I must say, has my least favourite opening. Only because yes. of... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, only because of all the different levels of it. Like, I actually probably individually like the bits that they did. Bar the one with um the girl from a good place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought that one went on a little bit long with the whole. It, thing it was a bit too meta. I didn't know which one was the real one. It was far too meta. I really liked the one with um the girl from Pretty Little Liars and the girl from Nine Hundred Two One Zero because I was like, that's so on brand for Scream. I was like, that's so perfect. Like they're mm. exactly. Who are huge at the moment they're like their tv shows are really big um and i even didn't mind that it was kind of this thing where it was i thought it was kind of a cool concept that that was part of the that was actually the stab opening and then we were watching stab and stuff but i just think it got a bit like convoluted and went on a little bit quite like me explaining the opening scene <laughs> So this one goes back and we are now kind of the cast more revolves around um, Sydney Prescott's uh, cousin, who is played by Emma Roberts. And um, she is she is Jill Roberts. She is best friends with Kirby and Olivia. And um, Kirby is this like really like cool into movies like they say it themselves way too hot to be the nerd that she is but like she's the female randy meeks like she shows that you don't have to be like a nerd about it you can be cool and into movies like yeah yeah, absolutely that's what i liked about it yeah a hundred percent and it was it was that kind of 
thing where it didn't have to be like it's funny I was watching it like behind the scenes and stuff and uh the Colcom actor the Colcom brother <laughs> he Kieran turns Colcom, I think it is for this one huh I think it's Kieran Colcom yes yeah, sorry so Kieran Colcom them all up though yeah he was like oh um she's like the female version of me and I was like I think you're great but <laughs> she's the female version of Randy clearly yeah come on now have you seen the other movies have you did you see them <laughs> um but basically you see um these three girls they're best friends um jill has this boyfriend who's very good looking and very popular but they're broken up and they're not getting back together and um you know she gives him everything and then he cheats on her and it's all very dramatic and very like anything I would have ever said when I was a teenager. Fantastic. <laughs> we also have the introduction of De- Deputy Judy Hicks, who uh, boiled my blood the first time I watched this movie, mm. to say the very least. Actually, when I watched it again, I really like her. <laughs> um, I quite like her. And um, she's she's just she's dewy she's kind of like this really did kind of do this thing of they were trying to kind of replicate everybody which is why you kind of went right jill is sydney she's our new sydney that's that's fair enough so she's going to be the one who's um kind of looked at and it's this lineage and like you know she's going to be our new final girl she's going to be our new sydney prescott um Sydney has written a book out of darkness and she is now out of darkness. She's told her story. Um, Dewey and Gail are living in Woodsboro. Gail is slightly devastated by this. Um, It's not really Mm -hmm. her speed, but she's doing it. She's doing it for love. They're married. And um, when the murders start, in fairness, it kind of gives her something to cling on to but again she's not really a stay-at-home wife she's not a stay-at-home wife by any means um and she kind of inserts herself into the into the investigation it gets all like you know you can't be here you're not a journalist anymore and she's all like uh fuck you I kind of wrote the book on this mm-hmm. and there is still that tiny bit of tension between herself, not really tension, but you can tell that the relationship is still very much Sydney and Dewey. It's not as much Gail and uh, Sydney, but they are like obviously friends. They've been through a lot together. Yeah. Um, but they're kind of, they take not exactly a backseat, but they're definitely there to support the this new emerging cast um who are going to be taking over the this new franchise and kind of bring it on and um evolve it to the next the next stage um the whole premise of this one is they're now going to put you in the kind of seat of the killer um the stab movies have become a phenomenon in Woodsboro, they have a night that they always um they always watch the stab movies. It's the Stabathon. I have a replica t-shirt from Welcome to Harland who does the best t-shirt, yeah. Horror stuff ever. I got their scream um 
blind box, like mystery box. I haven't put Ooh. it up yet because people are still waiting for their stuff. Ah, okay, I get you, yeah. To tell you, I was so excited when I got it and opened it. I was like, oh my God. Well, show it to me, damn it. I will. I'll send you all the stuff on. It is so brilliant. Um, But yeah, their stuff is amazing. Go and check out. I think they're doing a a pre-order for Buffy at the moment as well. It's just deadly. Their stuff is unreal. Um, But yeah, so this whole thing is there's this this new um, kind of group of friends. The first out of the friends to die is Olivia. Uh, Jill and Kirby are in the house. They get a phone call. It can't be either of them. Um, then it goes on and it's the usual, the phone calls, the everything. They start to kind of plant people. So Jill gets attacked that time as well. And, you know, the boyfriend arrives and you're like, oh, my God, it's Billy Loomis all over again. And uh, so they definitely plant these people that you're like, oh, it's definitely going to be them or it's definitely going to be them. It goes on and um, Sydney's aunt is in it as well. There's a very funny moment where uh, Kirby is like, oh, do you think she has loads of scars? And the aunt is like, I lost my sister. I have scars too. And Jill is like, she means physical scars, mom. (laughs) And everyone's like, oh, right. Okay. And it's quite funny. It has that humor again. Yeah. Um, then it goes into, yeah, so there's the usual kind of like stabby, stabby, jab, jab. The third act, you're going into um, the, the Stabathon. So people have died. They're on a lockdown again. You can't go. Jill's like, I probably shouldn't be going to the film that is based off my aunt, my cousin, and the, the murder of my aunt. Um, so she doesn't go to it Gail goes and she's like all investigative journalists and she's like putting cameras around and stuff and she gets attacked um, and uh, you can see it on camera they all go back this is the thing where kind of like you're like okay that would have been Stu Marker's house in the first one but no it's not where everything comes to a climax no no they go back to Kirby's house and it's like, woohoo. Mm. Then the boyfriend, the ex-boyfriend arrives and they're like, what the fuck are you doing here? And he's like, uh, Jill attacks me. And she's like, I absolutely didn't. Karen Culkin and um, Kirby are sitting there. They're talking about horror. It's all this like, you know, you can see them kind of getting closer and closer to each other. And um, they almost kiss. Your man comes in, the ex-boyfriend. He's like, oh, I can't believe you are actually thinking, like, did I just break something up there? <laughs> he's a nerd. You're not a nerd. <laughs> and your one's yeah, like, fuck yeah. off. So you're like hundred Yeah, you're like, this guy's definitely the killer. There's another guy within the group as well. And he's kind of the head of the AV group, uh, Robbie. And he's quite funny, like he's been drinking through the night. So his camera, he wears a camera the whole time. He documents his whole life. It's like this uh, vlog and his camera is backwards. So you can actually see the uh, ghost face approaching. Um, And he's like, but I can't die like I'm gay. You know, that's totally against everything. So, again, that kind of funniness that Kevin Williamson brings into this genre and what it is. Um, They really hark back to the fact that Kirby knows her shit. 
And like, there is like so much love for Kirby within the Scream like fandom. It is crazy. Um, and she reams off, she gets the phone call and it's like, you know, which horror movie? And even before he finishes, Ghostface finishes the question, she's like, Black Christmas, Dawn of the Dead. She reams off everything she can think of. And she's like, I got it. I got it. Didn't I? And then they're like, yeah, you kind of did. So uh, she goes out. Kieran Culkin is on the uh, chair, just like Casey Becker's boyfriend at the start of Scream 1. And he gets up and he's like, uh, this is how you make the first move. And he stops her. And you're like, oh, my God, it was the geek. So you're like, "Okay, that's one of the killers. Not the shocking one, to be fair. You're kind of like, "Okay, that's fine. The next killer, the one that I was kind of like, ooh, I like the way they went with that was, and I'm sure anyone who hasn't seen it is either switched off right now or is like, it's clearly Jill, the cousin. Mm-hmm. So it is, it's, it's Jill, the cousin. But I just kind of thought it was like, so like, I imagine what they were doing was you were going, well, this is the way I thought about it. That she was obviously going to be the new final girl. She was going to continue on with everything and it would never have been her. But I thought her kind of reasoning for doing it was really cool where she turned around and she was like, um, you know, you, I want to be loved. I want to be adored. Like, and she is going to like frame everybody and she's going to be the survivor and like it all pins on the fact that Sydney will die because then she's the new Prescott she's the new person and actually funny enough she's not even a Prescott um Mm. because her mother is the um sister of Maureen Evans um so yeah I just thought it was really cool um I thought it was really different I'm sure other people saw it coming and I'm sure people are like, there's no way. I know that people are very torn on Scream 4. I know definitely, Emer, it's not your favourite of the franchise by a mile. Um, I just think of like after three, you've taken a turn and four for me was just a rehash of the first one. Yeah. Different people and kind of, it was just very samey. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose it went back on a few things. I quite liked it. Um, I have a lot of love for it. And it's funny, like, yeah, and I I just I'm like really into American Horror Story. So and Scream Queens and mm-hmm. Unfabulous, which were all um Emma Roberts shows. She's very um, much so kind of almost got typecast in a lot of things. Yeah, she kind of became this like she's a bitch in whatever she is. She was like a spooky bitch. I liked it. I liked it a lot. That's why I liked it, as you said, about American Horror Story. That by like 1984, she's a good girl. Yeah, good character. Because I was just expecting her, and I'm like, poor Emma. She's just a bitch in well anything I've seen her in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and she does it so well, though. She did it so well in classic wrestling bitch face. Like, she's so good. Screen Queens is one of the best TV shows. Everyone has to watch it. It's very funny. Um, 
Well, yeah, that was the one. There were two other ones I was talking to Emma that really came to mind for this, but they were so good. And the twist was so much like I kind of felt with Scream 4, like you could kind of deduce who it was going to be. Um, So I didn't want to be given away like this, like unbelievable spoiler. Like it's the type of movie if you're into the Scream franchise, you've 100% seen it. Um, And if you're into horror at all, just with the fact that Scream came out, like the new scream came out this year there would have been so much talk about the previous scream and the previous ghost face that like it would have been hard you would have been hard pressed not to have known that jill was the killer for this so it's kind of like okay i didn't want to there were two others that i really would have been like i'd love to do that but there's such good twists and they were kind of ones that i saw later in my horror life that i was like they're the type of movies I can imagine people haven't seen. And even if they had been like, oh, there's spoilers. I don't want to listen by the title alone. They would have the endings would have been like ruined. Yeah. So it's like I can't even say go and watch these because one of them I've spoken about before. Yeah. But um, they are I wouldn't even because then you're watching the whole time going, oh, is it that one? Is that <laughs> one? It's so great when you just go, oh, my God, that was it. And like, I really was a gasp at the other two. So if you want to know, like, send us a message or something like that. Um, But yeah, yeah, Scream 4 was one of the ones that came to me, which I know is kind of weird because at every stage, everyone is looked at as a victim. Yes. And a potential killer. So we know it's a bit of a weird one. But yeah. That's that's my number uno. <laughs> well, choking on God knows what. Hang on. Choking on excitement. Yeah. Tell us of your movie, Emer. So this was a film I watched before. And I remember thinking when I'd come up with this going, I'm going to discuss it. And then I remembered how the twist actually just really angered the shit out of me. Um, so this is the French film High Tension, filmed in 2003, and um, it actually, it's it's an amazing film. The twist itself, as different as it is, it, it leads such plot holes that, um, <laughs> that it, it's, um, and like I said, if anyone, I would highly recommend watching it, but you may, you'll either love the ending or it just leaves more head scratching. But um, uh, yeah, if you wanted to watch it, go watch it and come back. I watched it on YouTube. It had a subtitled version because it's French. And um, it I will say like it didn't have a dub version. The one I watched first, I got on DVD and the dubbing, the dubbing was American and it's, no, it's not great. <laughs> um, and that was on the DVD release. But the um, I will say also then when you're watching a film through subtitles, it does take you away from it. Yeah. Um, however, so this film was released a year before Saw and two years before Hostel. And it is definitely, definitely gorier than Saw. Um, and I'd hazard a guess at it definitely there's more blood than in Hostel, but Hostel is very um, imaginative with its kills. But so is this film in like it's got good special effects, practical effects. Sorry. Um, but I tell you, it is one of those ones where, um, uh, yeah, the kills are violent. OK. Violent. And um, 
So, um, right, where to begin? Um, so this film basically starts out with these two friends during their 20s, they're in college, Alex and Marie. And they're driving out to the countryside for a weekend to be with Alex's parents. And um, she's, oh no, sorry, sorry to be out with Marie's parents. Um, and Alex seems to be like the normal one, but she would like, as they're talking, they're taking the drive and she's saying to Marie that, um, it's one of those ones where I'm going to say their names over and over again, so I want to get it right. Yeah, it's Alex's parents and Marie is uh, her friend who's there. And they're kind of like joshing around them. They're taking the piss out of each other because Alex, Marie keeps mocking Alex for all the guys who she's going with, but yet Marie wouldn't be with any fellas. Okay. So, um, and then Alex lives because she's out in the countryside. She's beside a cornfield. And she like says, oh, I just have to go check something or I heard something. She runs off into the cornfield and Marie's like, where'd you go? Calls her name a lot. And um, and she's just she just decided to like play a prank on her. And she gets back into the car and like, she almost drives off. And it was a bit random. Um, but it's just kind of like I expected. I was like, oh, is this where something happens? But it was too early. You yeah. knew it was too early for it to happen. Um, but uh, so anyway. They arrive at the house much late at night and they're pretty much ready for bed. Um, Alex's younger brother, much younger brother, um, was like dressed up as a cowboy and he wanted to stay up so Alex could see him in the, the get up and it's real cute. She takes him to bed. Um, Marie goes up to bed herself. She's somewhere up in the attic, which is like a converted guest room for people. And then, yeah, Marie's out for a smoke and she looks up and she sees Alex having a shower and she, it's kind of like, it's a little bit, I don't think she can see everything, but it's kind of like a bit blurred, but uh, like with the glass, but she does get a good look and she's looking at that and you're like, okay, that's your friend. You kind of get the vibe that Marie. Unrequited love. Yeah. And that's why she's not with the fellas. And that's why she's mocking Alex for being with all the guys okay um and then also that is heightened with the fact that when they all go to bed marie starts playing some music um from the disc man because let's remember it's 2003 and then she starts to go to town on herself okay yeah and as this is happening because she's listening to music we don't hear that a truck uh is coming down the field towards the house now this is a menacing guy who decides there is no like lead up to it he just arrives at the house and starts killing however we do get to see him in the daytime and we see he's been ahead is is performing oral sex on him and then it turns out it wasn't a woman but it was a woman's head and so he tosses after he finishes he tosses the head out the window didn't expect you to say that getting head from head um but it's it's that kind of thing where you're like okay this guy's a psychopathic sexualized killer um and uh so he arrives once you see because he thought that it was his truck it's kind of like the truck from jeepers creepers it's that old rusty looking thing but um so he and he's almost silent throughout the whole film like especially in the start like and then he arrives at the house knocks on the door the the parents are already in bed the dad gets up and he gets like whacked on the head with a hammer and then when he tries to run away the killer gets them 
and sticks his head through the banister and gets the very large chest of drawers and boom, head gone. Oh, wow. And I tell you, they they show like the after scene of the head and the legs twitching and everything. And then, um, but because Marie was listening to music, she didn't hear the truck coming. She didn't hear the start of some of this until I think she starts to hear some screams. And then she she's in her room because like she's on, I'd say it's like a third story to the house. Like it's the only room up there. Um, mm-hmm. And so basically the killer takes out the mom. The young boy has ran outside into like the mom. Marie's kind of going through the rooms because she's trying to find a phone. She's locked in the parents' bedroom because they have a phone there. And she sees the mom getting her throat cut. And we see that and blood goes everywhere. And uh, like Marie is basically seeing this all from her point of view. She is the one who he doesn't know she's there. Yes. But he knows that Alex is there, but Alex wasn't there before. And so if he was stalking this family, Alex is a new member to all this. Like, but yeah. he would have seen Alex's photograph and the family photo. So he sees that she's there. Um, so he kidnaps Alex or he's about to, he, he ties her up and then you hear noise of a struggle and you just don't know what's going on. But basically, um, Maria's up in the room and she then quite smartly, and at first I didn't know what she was doing. She starts putting the bed back together and padding it down and hiding all her shit and cleaning the bathroom, like drying everything, even drying underneath the tap of the sink to make it look like as if no one was there. Okay. And because she tried to move a wardrobe to see for a line she thought it was a phone line because she found the phone she's going to try and connect it back in turns out it was a line for a tv but you see that she's strong she's stroke she's very smart she's trying to get like a phone so she can ring for help um and then she hears footsteps coming up so she hides underneath the bed and like that but he immediately starts going to look for everything she's cleaned up he looks on the bed he um, tests underneath the sink. And I'm like, wow, I thought she was just being like OCD about this. But he is checking these things to see, is there someone else in the house? So he goes to check underneath the mattress, but he only like lifts up the mattress at the bottom half. And she's kind of curled herself up into the top half, which all I can say is that was handy. Clever. Yeah, because he doesn't take the whole mattress off. He only lifts up a bit. So he goes back downstairs. Clever and lucky. Yeah, and because I have to say it's a really good, there is, there is high tension in this film because it's it's very cat and mouse style. He takes Alex and so Marie freaks out and because obviously it's not just her friend, but it's someone who she loves. So she um, is like, I'm going to get you out of here. And she takes a kitchen knife and she gets into the back of the truck. And well, she, I think she was trying to get her right next to you. Know, the truck closes. Um, and so she tries to start like, but not before that, Alex's younger brother gets shot and we see that he gets killed and he runs off into the cornfield and the killer to shoot him. But apparently, even though that's bad enough, because I'd say he's only like seven or eight years old, yeah. they wanted to show it to be a lot more of a graphic kill. Like this film got an MC, is it MCAA or MC17? Like they, this or NT-17, sorry. Um, and then they had to, they edited it down to get it to an R rating. And it's like the hardest R rating for violence that the MPAA has ever awarded. This Allowed. was still banned Allowed. in Germany. It was banned, it was heavily edited and released as Switchblade Romance in the UK. 
to which I wonder what that version is like. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very, it shies away from nothing. Like you can imagine that Saw and Hostel were influenced by this. Like y- you couldn't even say that they didn't see this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so he drives off and she's like, I'm going to arrest you. Like Alex is inconsolable, she's crying. She knows her whole family's been killed and she's being captured and she's freaking out. And uh, Maria's telling her, don't worry, I'm going to get us out of this. Um, he doesn't know that the two of us are there because they see claw marks in the back of the van and we can see that he's got pictures. He takes a picture of Alex and there's other pictures of women there. So we're like, right, he obviously kills the family and takes the, the older daughter or whatever for his own, whatever he wants. Like the head could have been off his last family he slaughtered or whatever. Bit of a so, sinister kind of thing going on here. Yeah, because like there was no talking. There was no reasoning with him. He came in, he, he took out the dad, the mom, the younger brother, and made sure that there was no one else in the house, to which he just obviously kept missing Marie. And he took Alex. And so then he drives off then to a gas station. And Marie has managed to Jimmy the lock or something. She, get, she gets out the back of the truck and she's like, I'm going to ring for help. Once again, and she managed again he is the other side of the truck filling up the gas and she manages to run out and into the door without him seeing her. But it's one of those ones where like, I was even holding my breath to make sure she gets in. She tells the guy, um, his name is Jimmy, he's working there and turns out that the killer actually knows him. But she's like, ring for help. Cause she's in and she's like crouching so that she can't be seen. She's like, ring the police, ring the police. There's been a murder. And um, she just gets it two seconds to run and hide before the killer comes in. And then so she's like hiding behind as the killer is walking around the aisles. She's trying to move from one to the other. And um, then he goes and asks for drink and alcohol. And in the end, he I think Jimmy never got to ring for the police, but he tried to get a gun. And I don't know whether the killer sees this. And he um, kills the guy who works there with an axe, kind of like The Shining. Oh. And it's the director. Um, gosh, what's his name? Um out of here and it's gone uh I think his surname is Aha Aja A-J-A French people will snort up my pronunciation Alexander Aja but basically he said he was basing that off the kill from the shining but he gets like axed to the chest and Marie at this stage has ran down to the the bathrooms and he goes and cleans his hands after the kill. Like he happens to go to the same as he is. He looks left, he looks like he looks into the women, he looks into the men's to try and see. And then he, do, he does that thing where he starts hitting all the stalls. And she's like, oh. yeah. And this to me was the most, oh my God, this is it. It's it's so fucking, it's over. Yeah, she's coming. He's coming. Yeah. And, uh, but he doesn't check all of them or something like that. And I can't remember, or she's moved. Um, but like that, he, then he, he just leaves and, she gets out and she's like, oh, I'm safe, I'm grand. And then she hears the truck, like motor going. And she's like, oh, I was so relieved that I'm okay. Cause she stops to even like wash some water on her face and take a drink. And I'm like, David, get the fuck back on. Like you haven't done any. So he drives off. She then goes to ring the police and she says that there's been a murder and they're like, well, where are you? She goes, I don't fucking know. I'm in the back. I was in the back of the truck. I'm in a gas station. And then they're like, we can't help you if you don't know where you are. And she's like, 
where in the countryside where there's a family i think she gives the address for the family and then she said it's the nearest gas station do your fucking job and then she like she gets really mad and then she hangs up so you're like well that was of no help no help is coming to you what are you gonna do um but so she grabs the keys from the guy who worked in the gas station a really cool like yellow kind of like sports car i don't know cars but it looked cool and then so she drives off to go find the killer and so she can rescue alex and uh, he's obviously like he's taunting alex in the car he's like throwing alcohol on her face and he has like a lighter in his hand and it looks like he's gonna drop the lighter on her but then he doesn't it's all very you know again he's just he's spoken with her mentally before he's gonna like take what he wants out of her and so Alex is on this chase. It's a really cool, like it's a good driving scene. And the actress who played Alex, or who played Mary, sorry, um, he uh, or she did all her stunt driving. And then she even like, trained with a Thai, a Muay Thai boxer so that she could like kind of get in shape for the film because it's a very physical role that she does. Um, and um, so basically he then cops that someone has been following him and so uh, Marie's and driving off Caesar, there's no one in front of her. He comes up behind her. There's a car chase. Her car crashes, but she manages to get out. She's a bit bad up now at this stage. And she goes on the hunt, but she finds like this abandoned greenhouse. And I think it's near his place. Like there's a cabin out there or a, um, a van, uh, you know, what do you call this thing? Caravan, he uses. And so <laughs> she sees that there's no one in it yet, but she basically finds like this, when she goes into like there's a greenhouse because uh, obviously he's living like off the grid kind of thing you know as you're a killer of many many yeah people. as you would um she gets like this stick and it's covered with barbed wire kind of a bit like Megany from um walking dead and she's all like yeah bitch i'm gonna get you and then he she knows he's looking for her and then he like tricks her and then they have this huge fight. He's like about to kill her, everything like that. He taunts her saying like, oh yeah, you like her, you like this and all this, like getting in her head. But she manages then to hit him in the head several times with the stick with the barbed wire on it. Yes. And then she goes to rescue Alex. But Alex is, oh, sorry. In between all of this, we see detectives show up in the house, in, in the garage but they look at the CCTV and this is where we all discover at once between different scenes converging. Marie is the killer. We see Marie with the ax killing Jimmy. And also at the same time, when she's trying to rescue Alex, Alex still has the kitchen knife and she's like, get the fuck away from me. You psychopath. You killed my family. And Marie is like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm here to rescue you. I just like, fought the guy I got in a car crash like what are you talking about and so we're just led to believe like Marie has made up the family slaughter which she was like well she she killed the whole family but it's very like the kills were very physical yeah and Marie is not that muscular or anything like that so I know obviously it's like split personality and everything but it's the physics of it it's like it's funny it's like in the screen films where it's like the the shape basically or, or yes. the space is like tall whereas the people when they get on mass I'm like you're scheming you're short I'm like how close that the person we saw doing all the killing yeah um so it's like how was she able to physically do this yeah and and also she's like a crack shot because she kills the younger brother from a distance and 
anyway, she's like, no, I'm here to rescue you. And, and then um, Alex stabs Marie in the stomach and then takes off running. And then we just see as Marie's kind of like, what, what are you talking about? She then turns into the killer. And then it's, she gets like this chainsaw and it's kind of used on like the cover of the DVD, I think it was, where it was Alex holding or Marie holding onto the chainsaw. But then it's like, as she's chasing Alex with the chainsaw, it's also the killer. It's kind of like they shot both scenes and like both if Marie was chasing her and if the killer was chasing her and it's how in her mind, because she got rebuffed by Alex, Marie has gone back into the killer. Like she can't handle the rejection. So it's like that stronger part of her mind takes over and she's back to being the killer. Oh, okay. And so Alex manages to flag off this driver and she's like, help me, help me. But because she freaks him out, he kind of, the car conks out as he swerves to avoid her. He can't get the car to start. And then, holy God, Alex, uh, Marie slash the killer manages to put the chainsaw through the front window, slice your man's stomach open, and it's just blood and I mean everywhere like the camera that was used in that car attack scene got so much fake blood on it during the shooting that when it was being used in another film later on the fake blood oozed out of it during the focusing of the shot as it was moving in and out it still had that much blood on it it's it's just it's, it's almost comical it's everywhere yeah and then basically um Alex tries to get out of the car through like the front instead I don't know whether it's the door lock from the back or whatever but like she goes out the front window which was smashed because then obviously it's Marie slash the killer is taunting her with the chainsaw like through through the front just almost like coming up to her face and through like trying to break the side windows as well so she climbs out through the front however she then gets a huge piece of glass impaled in her Achilles tendon so she's like pulling that out and then Alex is, or Alex is then chased by Marie and the killer, just like she comes towards it, she can't walk away. And um, just as she's like, we're going to be together forever. No one can separate us. She tries to like, be like, oh, I love you. And because he's about to kill her saying, you don't love me. And then she's like, no, I love you, Marie. I love you. And then so we see it, the killer kind of disappears. It's Marie, she kisses her. But at, with that distraction, Alex uses the knife stabs her again and then eventually it's just like we're in a hospital where it, it actually opened on the scene of Marie in the hospital mm-hmm. and so we're back to that opening scene where she basically keeps muttering on like no one's going to separate us we're going to be together forever and um a healed Alex gets to go visit her and she's like oh she can't see me can she and he's like no it's it's a it's a two-way mirror you know she can't be into you and but yes it's like as if Marie can sense her because even though she's um, even though she's handcuffed to the bed, she just stretches her hands out towards in the direction where Alex is. And that's the end of the film. And you're just like, how in the world? There wasn't a chase scene. There wasn't like there wasn't a scene. And it's another thing of Marie grabbed the kitchen knife, but gave it to Alex. But yet if Marie's the killer, did she then hand her a weapon and then or, get in the car to drive off yeah <sighs> like it's it would have been a fantastic film if like Alex um or sorry if Marie fought off the killer 
And the killer was just someone who, it was a serial killer who happened to be picking off people who live out in the countryside. I thought you were going to say it was the one he still had in the van. Yeah. And she was actually like, she was in love with the killer, the guy. Do you know Mm. what I mean? And it was this kind of thing where they were boyfriend and girlfriend. It was kind of like a contract kill, not a contract kill, but like something where the two of them were together. Yeah, where she wasn't really kidnapped, it was just to get the other one, the friend. Yes. Like, that's even immediately better. And she hated her family, she wanted them dead or something. Yeah, like, I mean, that's something. But now, like, to really cover yourself, you bring your best friend because why would you kill your family and your best friend? 100%. Yeah. Um, Make that movie. It's it's a great film until the plot renders it asunder and makes no sense. It's. It's just you know, you're like how and what and what and and then it's just like it takes to me it took me away from the whole film. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, because it, it it was a really really good film. I remember when I was watching it the first time, I was like, "This is brilliant." Like, I mean, I think when I was like in my early twenties, I hadn't seen too many foreign horror films apart from like say Asian horror films, and so. Like there are some really good ones out there. If you know one, you can find them and, and get your hands on them. Um, but this one, I have to say, I was just like, oh, what? Yeah. But it is like it's it. It's a great film, but it gets just like you're like, oh come on! I mean, I'm all for girl power and that sort of stuff, but she she couldn't have had because the guy who was the killer was this big hulking man. And, you know, he would have just had brute strength for a lot of it. Yes. I just can't see someone when you see the female actress who plays Marie, you're like, I just can't see you doing some of these kills or managing to overpower a few of these people. I know, obviously, a lot of the kills were like the surprise factor. but Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was just pure, like, rage. Yeah, I get that. Um, But yeah, so, and also, like, did she have a caravan out in the woods? And then the opening scene where he was being blown by a head and you're like, did she just make that part up too? Yeah. And what's with the pictures of the girl? Did she kill other people as well? Or did she just, because it looks like as if it's the love she had for a friend made her go and do this. But why was she also making up that her her other half of her psyche was a serial killer? Like, did she, did that side of the serial killer take over her mind and did she kill other people like it's it leads just it's the afterthought leaves more questions than you talking about the film yeah so yeah um great film great great premise if the bad execution yeah and if the basically the twist what was the other way of the twist instead of it being her being the killer if it was really like that she just wanted to get rid of the family if say if there was I don't know some inheritance or she wanted to sell the family home so she could use that money and buy a house in the, the city like yeah yeah you've come up with a better twist right there <laughs> thank you I well, like that you don't expect it to be Marie yeah you see that's it you're kind of like like you definitely didn't think it was going to be who it was yeah, because she's like the badass, I'm going to rescue my friend. And then you're like, not only am I the one who's not rescuing you, I'm the one doing you're all the cause. I'm the cause. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> Love you, bestie. Well, I can see how, like, I mean, this film is, like, I mean, it's it's very violent and I can definitely see how it was, like, as I said, it's pre-solved, pre-hostile. It couldn't have helped but influence those films. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, so that's, that was that. Very interesting. So from that film to my next one, which actually I didn't realise is as recent as it is. So it's 2019's Jordan Peele's Us. So if you haven't seen it, turn off. Not turn off, sorry. Go Watch it and come back. back. <laughs> come back in about 10 minutes. Um, so I picked this movie. I absolutely love this movie. Um, anything... Jordan Peele does especially within horror sign me up mm. I am there um yeah so on the back of the like huge success that was get out um Jordan Peele came out with um his next horror installment which was us um he was saying that he actually went to um after the Oscars when uh, get out won he went to Jay-Z's after party mm. and they were kind of discussing the whole thing of like, is there the fear of like, what if I can't replicate this or yes. what if I can't? And Jay-Z was like, you've already done it. You don't need to do it again. And he was like, oh my God, I have already done it. Mm. I don't need to do that again and he was like so I just had this permission to go and it wasn't like you know permission but he was like I had this myself that I could just go and make the movie that I wanted to see and wanted to do um and he said that so many times within the, I watched an interview where he was being interviewed by somebody that he definitely knew quite well and he was saying that they had both um grown up in New York City but the where these movies are set or these kind of suburban areas or is it is suburban the right word yeah 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 okay so these real idyllic kind of areas and he said that he had always watched these movies where these kind of horror movies where this family's world has been like thrown upside down and he said that he just had never seen this movie with um a black family as the family whose world had been turned upside down. So he was like, I was going to make that movie. Um, And honestly, it's, it's seen through Jordan Peele's eyes. Like as well, when he was like doing Get Out, he was like, you know, white guy or a black guy with a white woman, you know, like this with us. Mm -hmm. He's just like, you know, they know what it's like to have, to be a black family. So Mm -hmm. I suppose like, I mean, it takes someone with the vision of him and to have, he already had his foot in Hollywood after doing so long with doing a sketch comedy show. Yes. Yeah. And he said, he actually had said in an interview that it wasn't, it wasn't that he was making this movie with like a racial movie, but he said it, it was just that it is because the, the main family, like the protagonists are a black family but it was it was really interesting kind of watching the cast talk about it where they were like like the the main the dad Gabe he turned mm-hmm. around and he's just like you know I never really got into this genre because I just never saw myself represented 
And it's just cool that we are represented in this movie. And it's, it's not a case of we just are the family that it is. And it was just really interesting, really nice to um, hear him talk about that. Mm. Um, so this film starts off, it starts off in the 80s and uh, they're on a boardwalk. It's um, a mum, a dad and a daughter and it's the daughter's birthday. They're at it like a fun fair. The wee girl doesn't really talk. The dad's a bit balchy. He's like got drinking on. The mom's really pissed off. Mm. She no more wants to be there with the dad drunk. The dad no more wants to be there with the mom. But they both just want to give their daughter the best kind of birthday that she can have. Um, they are playing this game. They give a she the little girl turns around and she's like, oh, I want to win number 11, which is a thriller T-shirt. And Jordan Peele was actually like, I think I would have put in more Michael Jackson. Now, I kind of like, wow. And there was a part of me that was like, huh, because I definitely am of the opinion that I know everyone obviously has an opinion on um, the Michael Jackson case. And there's very few people who know the absolute truth on it. But I do think um, without knowing the 100% truth, I do think a relationship between a child and an adult, even on a friendship level to the level that he was with some of the children is strange. And I don't think very healthy. Um, So, and then I was kind of like, but is it this thing where we just erase this from history? And like, I was kind of thinking more so along the lines of like Jimmy Savile or something like that. Do we just never mention it again and pretend it didn't happen? And it's like, no, we can't turn around and say, oh yeah, an industry actually allowed this to happen with the full knowledge that Mm -hmm. this guy was like, and the reason why I kind of speak about Jimmy Savile is because it's 100% proven. Like he was 100% oh, yeah. doing these things. There's no doubt about it at all. It wasn't and even really a secret. It wasn't a secret. It was, it was like the worst. Just a secret from the public. Yeah. Do you know that kind of way? Um. So it's the type of thing where I was like, you know, you can't, when you're like looking back on something, you can't just take away these things like we need to be able to go those awful things happened and how are we learning from that how are we making sure that this doesn't happen again um but he said that he put him he kind of had this reference to Michael Jackson because he was such a contrast and I thought it was really interesting that it was such a thought out reason to have him involved oh So that it was this very dark and controversial person with a lot of things and connotations kind of added towards him. But he was an incredibly philanthropic person who gave so much money to charities and like raised so much money. And like in a time where we really didn't know what climate change was. And Mm -hmm. like, I will never forget that like video where he's like in the middle of a yeah in a desert Mm. and stuff like that so he was like it was this terribly complex kind of actual considered decision to have this really contrasting yeah like what he did for the the with the Jackson 5 in the band like the what it kind of felt so maybe growing up as an African-American now I know 
white girl I can't really talk and um, but like he is an iconic like a go-to and you're thinking well if he can do it they just came from regular family and you know we can do it too it was a whole family it was great and the fact that he went through time like he went decade after decade hit after hit yeah yeah to be inspiring but obviously never taken away from what he was like as a person but as an icon yeah I think it was even apart from that it wasn't even kind of talking about what he had achieved and stuff like that it was more that there was this like in the simplest terms ever there was good and evil within it yes there was this person who gave so much to charity but had this side that was the reality of it yeah yeah and I was like wow it's it's something that I would have looked at and gone oh wow they chose that person and then it's like but it was such a considered choice and I was like Mm. okay cool um so this little girl she goes off the dad the mom wants to go for uh she needs to go to the bathroom (laughs) I don't know what I was going to say there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and she's like to the husband are you gonna actually mind your child and um she's like stay with daddy she goes to the bathroom the little girl wanders off uh, she goes into the mirrors uh, the like hall of mirrors and she sees herself and um the next little while like it's trying to kind of get her back because she's kind of lost herself so it goes to the present day and it's this family and it is this little girl grown up and she's now married and she um has two children and they are going to their summer home and uh, they're going back to kind of close to where this happened and um the husband is like we're going to the beach it's gonna be great she's like what beach are we going to he's like just this beach and she's like I don't want to go there because of like the connotations that she had with there because it's the Mm -hmm. same boardwalk and everything and um he's just like look we're gonna go it's fine it's very nice they're a lovely family the kids are gas this brilliant um there's a brilliant scene when they're in the car and uh this deadly song comes on and like she's teaching the young lad to get into like the rhythm of the song and it's just brilliant it's really good you can tell that they're like this really nice family together it's a great dynamic like even the way they're talking about really it really cool dynamic it. yeah yeah, yeah. The parents are like how do you know this song yeah it's just like it's just really cool uh they get to the beach uh their friends are hilarious elizabeth moss is uh one of the friends she's brilliant she's a treasure oh she's such a treasure like and um she is just every like white suburban like I hate my husband (laughs) I drink during the day woman stereotype ever um and it's just hilarious like it's really really good and um you can just tell that um Adele like she just has no time for her at the start and then she's like she kind of relaxes into it and she's like oh look I'm really sorry she turns around to her at one stage she's like I just actually find this whole chat and like really difficult and I was like same girl same. <laughs> oh my god the amount of times that I've turned around to Amy and I've been like I, I just can't talk to other people I don't know what's wrong with me and she's like it's okay, yeah, like, they're not friends their husbands are work colleagues like how yeah. often do they get to see each other and you can tell that they've like they definitely have had conversations because 
she starts talking about their troubles within her marriage and Adele's like oh my god is it still going on so you know that they've had deeper conversations mm. um the family with Elizabeth Moss they have twin girls they're like dicks but they're fine yeah. um and um the little boy goes missing like for a second he goes to the bathroom but she presumes he's gone missing she gets very worried and they come back to the house when they're in the house they look out and uh, they're all going to bed everything's fine um I think this line is similar to the strangers why are you doing this to me to us and she just says because you were home Mm -hmm. and the little boy is like there's a family on our lawn and the dad is like no there's not a family on our lawn and even the way they talk to each other yeah you're just like this is a family like this is totally a family and the little boy turned around during an interview he was like Jordan Peele had just said look if you wouldn't do this tell me like if this doesn't feel like you that's fine that's totally okay Mm -hmm. just tell me and we'll change it it's absolutely fine um so the husband the dad goes out and he's like get off my property blah 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 it's just like spine chilling when Mm. they make the little noise it's like this clicking a little boy goes off oh on his oh sorry on all fours and they just all spread out and you're just like I want to die that's it that's okay and you're like Jordan Peele you've done go kill myself now and get it I'm done it's all right it's okay. Don't need to know what happens because I've died. Oh, <laughs> this is horrific. Um, and they break in. The family's on the uh, couch. Like lots of stuff happens in between, <laughs> but they break in. The family's on the couch, and uh, the little boy again, like one of the iconic lines of it, just looks at them. We haven't seen them yet, and he just says, "It's us," mm. and the camera pans around. And it's their doppelgangers. And Jordan Peele said when he's writing a film or when he's writing kind of a horror movie, he he looks at himself and he's like, what are the things I'm terrified of? And he said he's always had a fear of looking at himself. Oh, it wasn't even a case of like, you know, like looking at himself. But he said when he was younger, he would actually like imagine looking at himself on the platform across from in the subway oh and he was like it was this kind of primal fear that you get and you just see yourself and I was like god Jordan Peele's mad but also that's the type of shit I'd say yeah like do you ever look at yourself and then think isn't that strange that that's what I look like like so bizarre so bizarre and it's Mm. really weird I actually stopped looking at (laughs) This is really bad. I stopped looking at myself um, for the last couple of years in mirrors. I hate looking at myself in mirrors. I hate having photos. Um, if you followed me on Instagram ever on my personal account from years ago, you will notice there's a massive shift from the amount of selfies that I used to post to now that I don't post anything because I just, I genuinely can't look at myself. And I was kind of like, mm. this is so weird. Like this would be my worst nightmare. Just looking at myself. I'd be like, ugh, go away. Oh. but no it's fine it's fine it's whatever look we'll all go back to counseling it'll be fine 
Um, but the whole thing is, it's that if you really look into yourself, like, you know, there's going to be things within yourself that you just are really terrified of and that you don't like and like, you know, you are your own worst enemy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Red, who is uh, the mother's doppelganger, they're kind of like, like, what's the crack? What are you doing? Like, you know, <laughs> how, why the fuck? I have no it's like what was so 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 many questions and we're kind of like yeah cool as a viewer yeah please go on <laughs> so red says once upon a time there was a girl and the girl had a shadow the two were connected tethered together and the girl ate her food and uh, the girl ate her food was given to her warm and tasty but when the shadow was hungry she had to eat rabbit raw and bloody on Christmas, the girl received wonderful toys, soft and cushy, but the shadow's toys were so sharp and cold, they sliced through her fingers And she, when she tried to play with them. The girl met a handsome prince and fell in love, but the shadow at the same time had Abraham. It didn't matter if she loved him or not, she was tethered to the girl's prince after all. Then the girl had her first child, a beautiful baby girl, but the shadow gave birth to a little monster. Umbre was born laughing. The girl had a second child, a boy this time. They had to cut her open and take him from her belly. The shadow had to do it all herself. She named him Pluto. He was born to love fire. You see, the shadow hated the girl so much for so long. One day, the shadow realized she was being tested by God. And you're just like, shit. Oh, I'm dead. You're dead. We're all dead. If we're not dead, just die. She has no problem slagging off her kids in front of them, though. No, but her That's kids ballsy. are monsters. Yeah. So this whole thing ensues. Like, it's, like, terrifying. There's lots of jittery movements. It's really scary. You realise that this isn't just with them. It's not just this family. Yeah. It's everybody. Hands Across America comes into it. It goes cuckoo bananas crazy. On the off chance that you haven't seen this movie, I actually won't 100% go into the end because the thing is, because everybody has a doppelganger, you know that somebody's going to have been the killer. Mm. But I, I'll leave it up to because I, I didn't realize it literally was 2019. Um, the end. It really is. It's it's an it's so original. And actually, yeah. he had a third film I called Antebellum which I don't know whether it came out just in between COVID lockdowns. I think it came out and I haven't even gotten around to see it. No, I but haven't like, seen it, but he was involved with the Candyman, yes. which they said was a spiritual um, sequel. And I think the guy who was in Candyman plays um, the dad, the drunk alcoholic dad in the opening scenes. Ah, yeah. And that Candyman, beautiful. It's just like, chef's kiss. Beautiful. So yeah, us definitely watch it. Fabulous movie. Um, I loved it. Um, Ross actually said from um the real take, he said the real take podcast. Sorry, just in case anyone hasn't seen or listened to our episode with the podcast for film fans, five film, <laughs> film fans. So he said it was his top movie in the last 10 years. 
and it is Niall's favorite movie. Wow. Yeah. And I still put um get out above it because I think like get out was just a bam as his opening film, but I I mean like they are neck and neck, but I just put get out just slightly above it. Yeah. No, I am um, yeah, I thought it was great. Really, really good. He has a film coming out now real soon called Nope. Yeah, I can't and wait to see that. I'm really interested to see what the hell this is like. I imagine there will be several times when I look at you and we're doing that and just go, nope. <laughs> and you'll be like, please stop it. And I'll be like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> Imran's like, oh, I'm no. beside nope. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was my second film. And it is absolutely amazing. It, yeah, yeah. If you haven't and It's really watchable. It, I rewatched it for this. It was very good. That's what I mean. Like it's it's one and like I I rewatched that I think probably during some of the lockdowns or something like that. Like that's a film and I've even rewatched Get Out. Like these are films where I'm not gonna give it like a five year, ten year break in between because Jordan Peele has such an eye for detail. And like that, even I didn't know about the Michael Jackson trilogy to like his reasoning for it. Yeah. Like I thought it was just he, really interesting. He's such a stickler for detail. That yeah. I think like if you were to watch some like interviews with him and why he puts this and then watch the film, like then watch like the interviews and then rewatch the film because he has such like intricate detail, like eye for detail and everything. Like even in the when um the girl is young and she's watching the TV and you have the hands across America thing comes up, and even just like the VHSs that are lining it, some of yeah. the their their teasers for what yeah, so should um should and I can't remember the other one that's there, but Warren pointed that out as well. I was like, that's really yeah. good. Yeah. Um good nitpick though and say that should came out on VHS two years after this the film was set like that year. And like that that's just a, I mean like it was just something I was watching and the guy nitpicked it and I'm like wow it, it's one of those ones where I'm like this film is so good you're struggling to find things to have a problem with. <laughs> It's like a show. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh no, it's a really good. Uh, I'd actually highly recommend if people like to hear a funny bitchy guy, it's uh, like critiquing films. It's Cinema Sins on YouTube. Okay. And he might be like everything wrong with, and it'll be between horror, rom coms, yes. comedies, thrillers, everything. But he also has Cinema Wins for everything right with and put a film. And even if he's like, you can hear ones where he'll remove the sin if something about a film is so good and all I can say is I've become addicted to that in like the last two to three months love it and it's kind of like a great way as well if you just wanted to um if you've seen a film or if you're never going to watch a film but you want to know what it's about because I have to say I've become addicted to the fact that he like I know he's got a positive uh, episode but just the bitch in me loves to hear him tear films apart love it he did it to um Dracula um the Martin uh Francis Ford Coppola one and I was just like oh I had to laugh at it and I was just like he's right yeah if you go in knowing what you're getting you're like oh yeah so the last film I'm going to discuss and I can spoil the shit out of this because it was made in 1982 and it's Dario Argento's Tenenbrae and Tenenbrae is the Latin word for like darkness or shadows and but it surprised me the film is also mainly shot in the daytime, a lot of brightness. Um, and it is, uh, it's of a genre of 
thriller kind of horror film in Italy called Giallo, um, which is like, it's it's the term for yellow, which was the kind of like pulp detective novels that were written in like the 30s, 40s and 50s all had yellow covers. So oh. that's where Giallo comes from. Um, and so Dario Gento had been making his mother trilogy, which started with Suspiria, then did it Inferno and then... He was in America when he had filmed Inferno and I think that there was a lot of trouble with distribution and production and stuff like that. So it actually didn't do so well in America. But whilst he was filming that, he got a stalker who was such a big fan of Suspiria. This guy thought that they could just chat and how he got his number, I don't know. But basically the person was ringing him, sending death threats. And so it gave him the idea to do Tenenbrae, which focuses around an author called Peter Neal. So he's an American writer of violent horror novels um, whose books are really popular in Europe. So he goes to Italy and to Rome. One of the reasons why I watched this film was because I'm like, I want to see Rome in the 80s. They yeah. don't show anything of Rome, the city. This is like Rome, the suburbs. And you're like, motherfucker. <laughs> but so he's here to promote his work. And um, he is accompanied by his literary agent, Bulmer, who is John Saxton, who was the dad in Nightmare on Elm Street and he's been in a few other horror films. So I just think he was great. Now, the film I watched was dubbed. So it's the Italian people are speaking Italian, the American people are speaking English and they just dub over and you just have to roll with it. It's any of Dario Ardento's films where it's, I mean, it had to have been an absolute nightmare to film because people are speaking two different languages, but you have your script and you just have to say what you're saying. And um, anyway, so whilst he is on his way to America, his um, he's being followed by like his ex-wife. Uh, she follows him to the airport. His bag gets moved because like, he goes off to take a phone call. So um, you th- like anyway, it's just he's kind of getting subtly dicked around it. But when he arrives in Rome, um, it kind of just goes off to a different scene where this really good looking lady is she's cruising through a shop and she shoplifts his book. Okay. But um, then she's like trying to get out of it and all that sort of stuff. And then she just goes home and she gets attacked in her home and she gets her throat cut and parts of the book shoved down her throat. Um, and yeah, from there on, it's more killings occur. Um, a woman, uh, Tilda, who is a beautiful journalist, is she's murdered at her home along with her lesbian lover. It's a weird, they go up to a little side story with them where it's like, it's like an open relationship, but only with her lover. She's who the lover's like bisexual, but she's just pure into women. Mm-hmm. And, but it's a scene in the house. It's a great, I have to say the cinematography of it, like just, they did like an outside panel of the house and it took three and a half days just to film to get the angle right to shoot outside of the house, to go like looking from downstairs to upstairs from outside because again this is 1982 so they're trying new things um so first it's she gets killed where she is she hears the noise and instead of investigating she goes to take off her top because this is a very sexualized film it's yeah. um, again with the giallo and with Dario Dento there is kind of like it's one of the reasons why it actually got straight onto the 80s video nasty films and I think it was more to do with it's not just violence, but sexual content and like naked ladies kind of thing. But she gets her neck cut, uh, her throat cut, and then her lover goes to investigate, runs away, and she gets her like head thrown through. They have like gone up the stairs um, on 
the it, they've got glass at the side of the stairs and she gets her head like thrown through there and so she's killed and the weird thing about this is that the police who are investigating these murders because they see that it's people who are either interacting with them because the journalist was when he was doing like a press thing in his uh, in a room like she was talking to him and about you know is he against women because all his books are so violent against women and then she gets killed and like the woman who was shoplifting gets killed and his book shoved down his throat so the police go to interview him because he happens to be in Italy when yeah. it's happening but the weird thing is is that like after a while the detective he's like I'm a fan and or I'm a fan of detective novels I might read some of your books and then he starts to read them and then he's like can I get some of your help like what do you think this person like I don't know whether he's trying to still say if it really is Peter doing the killing or is it a fan and then like Peter starts to get these phone calls from people who are like like that stuff murder she wrote it's murder she wrote yeah it was Angela Lansbury for the kill so Neil the Peter Neil he starts to notice that one of the interviewers a guy called Cristiano he is like super fan but he also like goes into really weird and graphic detail about the kills and about like his his own opinion of the books and it's you might like Peter is like do we really want to take this sort of a turn in the interview it's a bit dark um and uh so Peter then like that they're they're sort of you, you see it like at nighttime where he himself and his assistant and then it's like they have this boy called uh Gianni and they bring him to the house like when he arrives to the hotel he's staying in and they're like this guy's going to be your boy about town he's just going to help you and he's he was brought in by the agent, the literary agent. He's like, he's an agent in training. He's you know, going to be your bitch for the next while. Um, so they go to also like, what was it? There's another girl and like all these random people are getting killed. Like there's a girl who helps fix something in the apartment he's staying in. She's the daughter of like the landlord. She then gets killed, but she happens, she gets chased by a dog. The dog brings her to this posh house she dies there because she comes across it's the killer's lair and then we discover that the house she was in was Christiana's the really weird tv interviewer and um Peter and Johnny go to investigate because they're like oh this guy's house is nearby where all the killings are and Ike gave me weird vibes but then they witness that or like Johnny witnesses Cristiano being axed to death and um, when he comes across, Peter is like knocked unconscious. Um, and so he brings him back. And instead of going to hospital, he's like loads pumping from his head. He's like, I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to be fine. And then the police come over and then they're like, oh, did you see anything suspicious? And we're like, we couldn't see the killer. But Jenny is kind of like, I feel like if I saw something, but my mind is like just blocking it out. Yeah. Um, so the detective is investigating the crimes. And so... It, we discovered that the literary agent again another like weird side little thing there seems to be lots of different things which eventually will make sense in the end but kind of pulls you away so the literary agent Bulmer meets up with someone on a square outside in public and it's oh no it's someone arrives to his office and it's Jane your man's ex-wife and so they were having an affair like behind Peter's back I don't know if that's why they split up or what um and then when he is going to meet up, he's waiting for Jane to meet him, but he gets stabbed to death by an unseen assailant, like in public. Um, 
So Gianni then back, it goes to nighttime. He's like, there's definitely something I saw. He goes back to the house to try and see if he can jog back his memory. And he realizes what he heard was Christiana going, admitting to an unseen attacker that I killed them, I killed them all before he himself gets um like act yeah. to death. So Gianni then runs back into his car and he's like, all right, I'm gonna go tell the police this. But then he is strangled in the backseat of his car uh, by another unseen assailant. And you're like, well, who's the killer now? <laughs> and then we have, I know, I know. And then we see that Jane, the, the crazy ex-wife, who like Peter has been spotting her around Rome. So she, you think maybe she's the one who was calling him. So she is in, obviously we saw her kissing the literary agents. We know she's actually in Rome. Um, and so she's in a kitchen waiting. She's rang uh, Peter's assistant who he started kissing the night before when he had the head wound. And so she's like, she has a gun. So Jane is like, she's bringing this woman into the, her own home. And she's like, maybe she's going to kill her. But while she's waiting, gun on the table, an axe comes through the window, the kitchen window, and just, bam, chops her arm off. And then oh. in, like, total jello OTT scenes, she's, like, the blood spurting out. She, like, basically paints the wall in her blood. And this was, like, one of Quentin Tarantino's favourite scenes of a film ever. And um, so ah. influenced him. Uh, so then she gets, then, again, axed more and killed and uh, so the, the detective then goes back to Peter's house and I think the assistant wants to go back after, you know, I don't know who's house in weather. I can't remember at this stage. Uh, we, I watched these a couple of weeks ago. But um, once he realizes that it was the detect the TV interviewer who was the killer, um, Peter basically is overwhelmed by a forgotten memory of when he was a kid, there was a, a murder of a young woman who had like humiliated him sexually when he was in his youth in America. Okay. And we keep seeing flashes of this. And it like, cause when he goes to see the, the woman later on, he stabs her. So basically it turns out it's Peter is a secondary killer whose mind basically fractured from when he was younger, he killed someone. He killed a woman who had humiliated him in front of a load of other guys. And then basically he has discovered that his wife was having an affair with his agent. They divorced, but again, it's something like he buries it so far down that it's coming out in his books. And then it's like the trip to Italy unleashes it. It's like the catalyst or... Yeah, so someone else, like the TV interviewer, Cristiano, was doing the killings. Because I thought if it's the, you know, the victim being the villain, I was like, oh, is it this guy doing all the killings because he's in America? But then it's like you see, oh, no, it is actually the TV interview. It's Cristiano is doing the first killings because he is such, he's so, he feels like as if that there's a bond between him and Peter and yes. with, with what he's writing. So he kind of kills people in the sense of how they would have been killed if it was in the book and yeah. um so the detective comes in he's almost bring. he's like such a fan that he wants to bring your man's work to life in a yeah. way as an homage almost yeah so the inspector um he arrives oh yeah so sorry this is actually all happening in jane's apartment that she's renting 
and um, the inspector comes in to the house I think maybe the assistant or Peter's assistant had called the detective to kind of go out as well like she seems a bit smart and um, and so because obviously after they don't know that Christiana was the initial killer so mm -hmm. Peter's like I didn't do all the killings but I killed Gianni I killed Cristiano um, and I killed James and um, also a woman comes into the house whilst he's hiding I think after Jane's death Jane's dead we see that it's Peter holding the axe and you're like holy shit it was him and then we see a blonde woman coming in and we think it's the assistant but it's actually one of the um, other detectives it was a female detective and until he because he's like he kind of comes out of his rage thing and he's like oh no killed geez I can't remember what her name Anne is the assistant he's like I killed Anne oh my god I'm a dick because we had something that could have started and then it turns out that it was the female detective and Anne was there with the other detective so Peter then goes to cut his throat and you see okay. blood spilling everywhere and you're like oh my god and um so then Anne and the detective run back into his car he's like I'm going to call it in and then they're waiting and he's like you know what I'm just going to go back into the house you stay there and like, why are you going back in? <laughs> I don't know whether or not he just wants to be there in case something happens or whatever. But then Peter's body is gone. And he notices that the razor had like this button on it, which spews fake blood. Oh, so he just ran the razor across his throat, pressed the button and blood pumps down. So then um, like when the detective can't see him, Peter basically just gets the axe, attacks him, kills him. And um then Anne runs into the house but it's like all it's raining it's thunder and lightning and as Anne is trying to get into the house some really over the top architectural piece of it's not furniture it's just some big spiky thing that's in the hall of this apartment and it gets pushed against the door I don't know whether it was during the struggle between the detective and Peter but when she tries to open it open the door it kind of breaks it and moves it and then Peter is trying to chase her and then I don't know whether she pushes him or he falls but he gets basically poked impaled impaled or not poked impaled by the um this stabby looking thing I tell you, <laughs> you ever get a bit of furniture and you go this isn't a furniture this is like exhibit a it's um, like an artwork yeah, and Anne basically the, the film ends with Anne is just completely heartstricken, but she just bloody fucking screams and just it screams over and over and over again because she realizes no, Peter's dead now again. He was never dead in the first place. He's the killer. Everyone's dead. The detective's dead. And she's like, I'm not cleaning this up. And um, so she just it. Yeah. Now I will say one bitching thing throughout this whole film that like really won it for me was they have this really cool synth um score throughout the whole film and it turns out it's this Italian band called Goblin from like the late 70s and 80s and they split up as a band and Dario Argento was like dudes come back together one last go and just make the score for this film and so it's just it's really cool because there's an opening part in the film where it's like a part of the book is being read Mm. And also then it gets like thrown onto the fire and then all the credits go. And I normally like, oh, boring credits. And my fast forward through. But the music was so good. I'm like, no. And then it's like during every action scene, the music comes back in again. And it's just really good. And uh, yeah, they, they came back together just to do that. 
Um, and apparently in the, the true Italian film, it's Dario Ardento is doing the narration over, but we just get like someone in speaking in English. Yeah. Um, I have to say it was a good film. Kind of a lot going on in it. Slightly it, took me away from it, but I get like it had it did tie all up, but it was good. I have to say it was good. I'm beginning, I'm only seeing like Susperia and now Tenenbrae is my second Dario Ardento film. But I know yeah. like under the umbrella of Giallo, there are a lot of yeah. films. You also have like Mario Bava, um, you have so many other like directors and stuff. So yeah, um, Talia Giallo, if, if they all have good synth work like that, they probably won't. But um, yeah, I have to say it was, it was good. It was like one of those 80s slashers where it's a lot of bright red paint being thrown around the place. And yeah, I have to say it was good. It's just, you know, like hour and a half, sit back. And once you get over the fact that the lips aren't matching up to what's being said, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, because they had like- Brilliant. They had Italian people doing the English dubbing. So it wasn't like, like with um, high tension, they had Americans dubbing over the French people. And you're like, oh, that just takes me away. I know what you mean. Yeah. You're kind yeah. of like, oh, that, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this film, it was good. And it's once you know that he got the idea from this from being stalked himself that you're like, oh, that's cool. It's kind of like, not quite because Dario Dento didn't go on a murder street, but like life imitating art in that sense. But it's, yeah, um, it's, it kind of adds a creepier yeah. side to it. Like It is. It's it's very good. Like there's a lot more going on in the film. I would recommend to watch it. And now obviously I've spoiled it if you haven't seen it, but still, like, as I said, there's more going on and the kills are actually really good. The music is amazing. Just give it a go. Yeah, I think I will. Yeah. Uh, so yeah so this one I have to say finding out who the the killer really like because there was two killers so there was a twist and then there was another twist so I have to say it really kept you on your toes yes for like like once it gets started it's just like I said within the first 10 minutes you have a kill like it it is really good okay I like that I'll definitely give that a shout yeah I really liked this week yes yeah yeah it kind of took us out of it. It's, it's not your normal type of, of theme for yeah. what's going to be in it. Yeah. Because also, we spoiled it for ourselves. A hundred percent. Because you yeah. know whatever, like when you look up what these films are, you're like, well, yeah. I know what the twist is going to be. And then you're like, top 10 movies where the victim's the killer. And you're like, oh, that's what happens in that movie. But I suppose then it's the fun part of like, because like that as well in the screen films and that, like there are so many victims and you don't know up until the very end, which one is the actual killer. Yeah. That like, it's the, who is the person who's going to spin around and be like, I'm the killer after all. Yes, it is still like a shock. Like I wasn't expecting it to be, I wasn't expecting it to be Maria in high tension the first time I watched it I wasn't expecting I was kind of expecting it to be Peter but I didn't know that there'd be two killers yes so very good very twisty Tony I like that a lot so make sure to join us next week when we will be talking again about horror um for a change (laughs) follow us on Instagram on because you're home with an underscore in between each word 
And you can listen to us on most podcast platforms. If you listen to us on any ones that are now offering a review and a rating, we would really appreciate that. I know for sure you can do it on Apple and Spotify. Um, and if you don't want to bother your holes with any of that, but you just want to go old school, you just go tell a friend. Yeah. Yeah. We would love that. Yeah. Now I am going to go eat fajitas and listen to the new album, Unlimited Love, from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Black Summer is just, it's, I, I listened to the new song again. They're the new one that they released on Spotify. And I was like, oh my God, that's great. You have oh, they have three new songs on Spotify. And now the entire album is on yes. Spotify. Like that's yeah. just going to be me sorted. Yeah, it's very good. I'm like halfway through the album so far. Um, It came in the post this morning. And then I was like, oh, I can also like listen to it on Spotify. I kind of forgot about that. Um, well, you're, you're giving the money back to the band like I understand yeah. having it nothing beats a hard copy of it though yeah um and I really appreciate when they give the all the lyrics within a sleeve and they do oh, um, I like that a lot so like early 2000s I know I was like oh my god Nostalgia. um so yeah I'm delighted I love <laughs> we have it for the car um so yeah I am very excited so Did we you? will Talk to you next week, guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.